Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach. Thanks, Dean. Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Rob and Paul of the band Sterling. Sterling is a old-school emo indie rock band from the Waukesha area, but also claims Milwaukee as their homeland as well. As the temperature is getting colder, as we're rounding out January going into February, Please think of the less fortunate, ones that would need help at food pantries and homeless centers. If you get a chance, please make sure that you can, even in these hard times through COVID, try to do the best that we can and help out each other. Please try to make a donation to your local food pantry and homeless shelters. And please make sure you're checking on our older generations too, because we want to make sure that they're staying nice and warm. Well, let's um, move on over to our interview with Rob and Paul from the band Sterling. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you for having us. I was just listening to your EP that came out last year. Talk about your musical origin story. Did you guys play instruments when you were in school or was it something that happened after you got out of school? I started playing back in high school. I started off on drums and then probably in, uh, what was it, 2002, after leaving a pretty decent band from Milwaukee called Johnny Toymaker. It was a a kind of a punk band. Um, We were doing pretty well. And uh, after that, I switched to guitar just from kind of getting kicked out of a band kind of made me salty and, you know, more disposable. So I switched to guitar and started from scratch and worked my way up. And as I got older in the last couple of years, I was like, maybe I'll play drums again. And then met up with Paul and uh, I played in a, a short project before this one doing drums too. But then we met up and, and I was like, let's, let's do this project. And we kind of started spitballing what we wanted to do. And Definitely. I had played uh, music since I was in high school as well. and played in a few different bands in the Milwaukee Racine area. And Rob and I joke all the time that we've probably either played shows together or been at shows with each other. And through the grapevine, we ended up getting each other's numbers and uh, talking about, you know, musical influences. We were both big into the emo genre, the older emo genre, growing up with a lot of Milwaukee bands too, uh, like the Promise Ring. And so we hit it off really well. And we started talking about maybe developing a project of our own that was kind of reminiscent of those days. And the two of us just started working on music from there. We met up at Rob's studio and just got some things rolling and ended up trying to piece the right people in to fill in the gaps that we had and ended up finding um, a guitar player, Zach, that that really worked well for the project. And he wanted to be a part of that piece and did a great job for us. Yeah. Excellent. So you said you started doing drums and you were in a different band. Why don't you kind of tell us um, a little bit of the experience of that band since you said it kind of had some notoriety to it. Yeah, that band was a pretty fun band. We toured all over the place, played Summerfest, opened up for Filter, 
from that project, I mean, I was always into indie bands and stuff like that. And I, you know, indie and punk kind of at that in those days, you know, bands like Braid and stuff like that, I was really into and some of the underground ones. And I had more of like a draw towards that than the punk scene. So when we split, it was kind of a, I mean, it was unfortunate. The band was doing really well. We were going to go to Japan. Um, they ended up going to Japan without me after that and then promptly broke up after that. We had uh, demoed out a whole new record. And they had a friend who played drums that uh, was going to help financially. That's why I ended up getting kicked out of it after I found, you know, then they just, they didn't make it through the studio. So that yeah. kind of happens with bands. So Right, right. And Rob, for you, is this your first band, your first group, or have you had other experiences in other performing groups? Uh, for me, no, this isn't my first band. I played in a band in high school, you know, trying to, that uh, high school rock star mentality. And then in college, met some people to take it a little more seriously. Ended up playing in some bands, uh, The Farewell Crisis and North, South, East, West. We did a little stint with the Blackout Pack going around the country. So got our feel and kind of our feet wet for what I wanted to keep doing. And hopefully, you know, could eventually make it into a career. But that's what was so fun when Rob and I met is that, uh, you know, now we're at the age in life where we have jobs and families and whatnot. And we just bonded over the fact that, hey, now we can play music that really what we want to play, when we want to yeah. play it, how we want to play it, and really hope that it connects with other people that, you know, are along the same lines as some of those influences that we grew up with playing and uh, watching play. Cool. And what would you, I hate asking musicians because I hate it as, as a musician myself, but where would you put your, your music genre wise with Sterling? I think that we're, I mean, what folk emo is what it, that record turned out, but we're, the project has developed further into like a really indie, I would say it's like indie emo, like. Yeah, I think it would classify in the, in the indie rock genre. Um, for that. And when we put that out, we met during the first months of COVID. Um, and again, with a lot of extra time on our hands because of that, um, we were able to put some songs together and we felt like, hey, you know, we might never get this opportunity when things let up or whatever. So why don't we just put these, let's record these songs. Let's get these down so we have it. So some of the songs on the album are a little different than each other, more different than we'd like them to be. Okay. Um, but again, that was half the fun of it for us is that yeah. putting all of those different ideas together. And from that EP, it allows us to the songs that we're writing now take, I think, a little bit more, as Rob was mentioning, yeah. that uh, emo rock. And that's the, the same theme of this next record we're basically working on is it's a continuation of like some of the songs are very they go along the lines of that first record but then some of them now are have a little dabble of post-hardcore and a little bit of like pop punk in there too like right. we're just sort of taking everything that we enjoy and you know uh but you know we're still sterling and we still like you know it's still the same short answer is still indie yeah. rock yeah okay <laughs> you said you have a studio so i take it that you recorded this whole thing at your own studio um, well, I own a place called Grease Lightning Records Studios, but we, I am a big fan of Shane Hochstedler um, at Howell Street. So I do longer winded records at mine. You know, um, I've been doing a band since 2002 called Rocket Boy 55. Um, we're just releasing another record um, actually on this Thursday, which will be, I think, our 10th record. So those records I do at my studio, which take two years sometimes, but I prefer going to Shane for we punch out a record in a weekend for the most part, come back, do some tweaks, but 
you know, so this record we did do with Shane at Howell Street, which he does a fantastic job. The next record I, we haven't decided yet because we, we're still looking for a new drummer. I'm playing guitar now, so we're looking for the right drummer. And we've been just writing and we were so, so do we want to do it in my studio and take more time with layers and all the things? Or do we want to kind of go put forth like what does it sound like when we're playing like the last record? Um, we haven't really. Yeah, I, th I think, too, with um, with Rob's studio, it's nice because it allows us to in and out of practice. If we want to listen to the idea in a different way, we can demo it there. We have a lot of the equipment that we don't necessarily want to always have out or available. But if we need to get something, it allows us to blend the ideas a little bit better that way. So that's really good. But for the actual album, we went in, we both figured, you know, we have the time, the effort. Again, we might be able to get a good deal and, uh, you know, maybe spend a little bit of a different opportunity going to that professional style studio with Shane Hockstetler at Howell Street. Well, and for Zach, too, it was like, did Zach really want to put in months of laying, you know, coming back or did he want to just go in for a weekend like we did? You know, we went in for the weekend and then after that, we were like, OK, we've got it. And then it was sort of we could part ways and move forward. And, um, you know, he moves and we move, you know, so. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. And early 2000s where I ran my own recording studio live room and we created an album and we just did it all in house. And it was, you have a lot more space and a lot more time to think things through. So I, I understand which way you're going either way. Um, let's kind of talk about performing at venues. Now, obviously you have had a lot of experience performing at venues. So why don't we kind of talk about open mic, coffee houses, you know, bars, summer outdoor festivals, trade shows. Were you into all of those things or just a small portion of those different venues? I played, I've played everywhere and anywhere. Um, I did not uh, get into long tours only because then you have to go back. So if we're going out to Seattle, you have to keep going back or it's not worth anything. So all the bands that I've played and we've gone from the Twin Cities to Chicago and over in the area. And then when bands that like, you know, I've opened up for some pretty cool bands like Paramore and Taking Back Sunday and The Used and Amberlynn, you know, because I was really big into that, you know, time period, you know, some other bands, but always did it in this region from Chicago to Milwaukee and Madison and Green Bay and the Twin Cities. But I would play anything. We would play little coffee shops up in Stevens Point. You probably remember Stevens Point had uh, and Rapids had some great little you know, shows there over the years right. and, uh, you know, all the way up to, like I said, Summerfest, um, you know, because obviously that's a blast too, just to be like a rock star on that right. stage. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, played a little bit of everything and everywhere. And I think there's definitely value. Some of the most loyal fans are the ones from the small towns or that see you at a smaller, different type of venue. Yeah. And both Rob and I just really enjoy playing. We, uh, we have some stuff right now up on Instagram that's some of our new songs acoustic, um, just because it's been easy to write and a different way of writing for us. Um, and I think we talk about it quite often, at least these days, is I think that when things start opening up again, those are going to be the first places to maybe bring back some more of that live music because it can be done in a, however they're calling it now, socially distant or appropriate way. So um, we're actually looking forward to getting back into some of that a little bit. There's places right around where we are now in Waukesha that have already started taking steps to bring that back. And so we're going to get our feet wet. We've both been itching at the or champing at the bit to, you know, play live again. I mean, yeah. that's what we want to do. We're both 
he's probably one of the most energetic people playing that I've seen or played with. So I'm excited to see if <laughs> hey, he really does it on version. stage. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've never played acoustic live, so it'll be interesting to start with. You sure. Know? Since we're talking about venues and stuff like that, let's kind of talk about the local scene attitude. What great things for musicians have you been has been happening in your town? Well, I'll, I'll speak to that first. Even though we play currently in Waukesha, Wisconsin, we still like to think that a good portion of it would be considered Milwaukee-based, as, again, that's where you find yourself, like you said, pre-COVID, with a little bit more of the venue and output. But Waukesha actually does a great job, and Rob, jump in when you can. Um, they have a lot of smaller clubs. I mean, heck, that's where Les Paul's from, right? They got to have at least somewhat music. And they have their um, Friday Night Live downtown for more acoustic-y type acts. So they do that every week during the summer, except for during COVID, right. obviously, like summer they didn't. But uh, And they bring in yeah. all genres. They're not biased. They let all kinds of things happen. They just really like to see music alive and aware in the town. Um, so that helps a lot just in general. Pre-COVID, it gives an outlet for smaller artists, artists that maybe aren't ready yet for a bigger stage or prefer an intimate setting. Um, they have that opportunity in Waukesha. And we're, and we're hoping, I mean, it's like a mini Nashville, but it's not quite matured yet. That's what you kind of are getting the vibe of like downtown Waukesha pushing towards. If you ever been to Nashville, they like all the shop fronts seem to like open. There's always a band in the front of them when you walk down the street. Right. And I think just trying to get to that, but there's still a few people, I think, in politics that are hesitant to let all these places down there they're doing it but they're doing it on like a tone down where you go to nashville there's like actual bands with drummers and amps and stuff down there it's like you just you see a lot of acoustic versions so that's again why we're embracing acoustic because i think the opportunities again right away will be we'll be able to get down to Waukesha right away in Milwaukee pretty quick here you know for a couple people you know just sort of if impromptu open mics where they're not official shows but, you know, this, that's what we can do for this next year, probably. Yeah. And as Rob said, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a, quite a different atmosphere than Nashville. But kind of using that as a guideline, you see yeah. Waukesha trying to embrace, I think, a lot of that Les Paul sound mm-hmm. and use it to champion, hey, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's put Waukesha back on the map. Yeah. So you're seeing more bars, restaurants, and even music clubs that we're starting to open. Hopefully they continue to be able to remain open through Mm -hmm. all of this. And then speaking out larger to Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee's always done a good job. My feelings might differ than Rob's or the other listeners about the Milwaukee music scene, but I think we definitely like to say that we have a really good music scene and there's a lot of clubs that are available and a lot of places that do live music. And I think it's pretty easy for people to find a place to play in Milwaukee. Yeah. If you're, to, yeah. Yeah. It's bummer that a lot of them are closing though. I mean, I, yeah. you know, it seems every week you're hearing it. It's like, you know, and we're looking at such a long time. It's like, man, like, you know, I wish they could hang on, but financially you can't. So right. I mean, I mean, we're, back up. right. We're coming up on a year now where things are getting shut down and it's just, yeah. I mean, how can you live with no, no income for a year? in this in this society it just it doesn't work some packages but it's too little too late for a lot of those places you know right i think the live stream that a lot of places unfortunately it seems like for a music club so many of them got into it as rob mentioned so late is doing the live stream idea 
yeah. is you know, bringing those bands on to do live stream. Everyone's so into their phone anyways. I mean, one of our goals was to write music that got people to look up from their phone, you know, but so yeah. many people at this point in time are glued to their phone. So the opportunity to do those live streams or pre-recorded sessions and just even take out, you know, the city that you're from and just put in the fact that everyone has that opportunity to use their own platform to record their music and at least put it out there for someone to see. Right. And now let's flip the coin. What do you see is oppressing or, or suppressing the local music scene? What's suffocating it? Well, I think obviously the modern the modern days right now, um, you know, I was out a couple of years ago in a band called Rosencrantz and people were stunned to see a, a good live show nowadays. Like, they, and that's what's killing everything right now is everybody just goes on their phone and they watch stuff. They don't go to the shows. And even if they do, like the younger generations don't get it. Like when I would go, when I was a kid, I would scrape my change together, anything I could and ride my bike through the winter to local shows around town and then buy anything they had because that was entertainment. And man, did they put on shows back then, you know, like again, Shane Hochstedler um, played in some band Minagra, uh, Hero of a hundred fights. Some of these bands that like they shredded the best shows ever. So when I was in Rosencrantz, that was one of the things that we were going to do. We we're going to go out. We we're going to shred some crazy shows. That's what we're talking about, too, because the kids don't get it. So they don't understand the entertainment factor of like, why do you want to go to that show? Why not just listen to the music on the Internet and maybe catch a video or something? It's different. So we're trying to bring that back. That's what our point is coming up. Acoustic, we have to do. But as soon as COVID's over, man, we're going to be like bringing our big amps and we're going to be like, you know, shredding some old school fallout boy type shows you know because that's like what's missing you know and 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 i think that nobody i don't think they even know that it's dying away or that they're missing something you right. know chicago gets it but milwaukee doesn't seem to get it get that they're losing that you know like yeah there's something definitely i mean and that's maybe more of a personal aesthetic of you know how people perceive shows that maybe didn't grow up with live music being one of the only ways to see music. And I think maybe because of that, for me personally, I feel that at least with Milwaukee, there's so many outlets for music, but it seems like a lot of those people have a little bit of a good, good old boy mentality. And you, it's, you know, for some of those clubs, you need to know someone to know someone to know someone, as opposed to some of them being more outgoing to bring in the newer people or people that haven't played before and haven't done that. And I'm not just talking about us because we're a newer band. I'm just for the, for the good of all. Right. Um, And especially with COVID now, you know, I'm going to, I don't want to call out anything, but you know, there's the mentality of that, you know, punk rock music, underground music, you rebel, you do it. And to see music shut down a hundred percent, you know, and you think, come on, this is, we're supposed to be the ones, if anything, you know, we'll all keep silent. Let's play the show. Let's have the cops shut us down, you know, (laughs) and I'm not, you know, not encouraging that or not to say, you know, we, we want any, you know, major part, but that's kind of, I think what's stifling is that I think some of the music scene has lost, maybe going back to what Rob said, you know, that, that inert self mentality of, of music, the energy, bring it about, you know, the, the fight the man, fight the power <laughs> sense of sense of things. And it's funny because, you know, you know, Milwaukee area, you know, like Circle A's always been like, I don't care who plays here. Do what you do. Tiniest little place in the world. Um, the same thing with the public house. 
you know, that's why I miss them because it's like, they were like, they would let you come in there and do your thing and they would smile and like, they weren't busting your chops. Like, well, how many people are you going to bring in here? You're going to, you got a guarantee of 20, you know, they were just like, cool, bring half, let's have fun. And, you know, if you did a good job, cool. You got a better day, better slot. Like it used to be in the old days. You know, there's a lot of venues that like, man, do you email them and you beg them and you just want any day, any slot and they still won't give it to you. And I've been playing music since the nineties in some different bands you, you can't get in. And that's, I guess, that's kind of a Milwaukee thing because you can go to the Twin Cities or Chicago or Madison a lot of times and you can email a nicely worded email to a decent venue and they'll put you as an opener slot as long as you're like, you know, they can hear that you've recorded a record and you're not completely, you know, worthless. But I mean, you know, I mean, I think that that's a that's a really good point that Rob said. And to yours, Zach, when you said, you know, so many clubs are having trouble keeping the doors open is a lot of those clubs, like especially in Milwaukee, like public house that were the ones that were so open to have music on any night of the week. If you want to play, okay, we'll make it happen for you. Those are the ones that are shutting down. Those are the ones that are getting hit the most because they haven't been around the longest. And some of the ones with the bigger name that have had the big bands come in on the weekends that have, you know, the, it seems like some of the same bands open all the time. Those are the ones that are, are begging for your money and begging to stay open. And I want them to, I want them to stay open. Yeah. Um, but that's the hardest part is that, you know, you want to see them stay open, but you even want to see some of the smaller ones that made it easy, easier quarters. for the younger yeah. band. Yeah. Quarters, things yeah. like that to, to bring in the new artists. And even if you didn't want to be a rock star, you know, just people that, you know, want the experience of playing on a larger stage or a different type of outlet. You know, and you saw, you know, basically on the grandiose scale, I mean, you, you can use the rave as your perfect example. They at one point, they just they just gave up. You know, they used to have local bands open for the bigger bands and they would put on Battle of the Bands and all this financially. You know, after a while, it was just like they just don't do it anymore. They're just like, I, there's no scene. There's not enough. There's no nobody wants to come see it. Not enough bands. There's not enough anymore. You know, so they just quit, you know, and, and that's it's what a, sucks. And know? it's a big shout to what you're doing. You know, yeah. and it's why we wanted to be a part of your show so much is that it's the podcast like yourself and some of the new platforms that are coming about that I hope are going to reinvigorate the music scene, not just for the musical players, but for some of those clubs to hear, hey, there's bands out there that still want to play. Yeah, we can we should, you know, change what we're doing and. However they do it. I don't know. I'm not a business person, yeah. you know, to, to bring that back again. And so, you know, big, big ups to you and some of the other, you know, places that are doing that. Well, thanks. I mean, that's, that's the reason I, I started this. Tell us about some of the songs on your newest album. Salt Liquor was, uh, was one that Rob had, again, the reason why two piece worked is because, um, you know, we're, we're kind of multi-instrumentalists, Rob being again, a great drummer and now a great guitar player. Um, but Rob had a drum beat in his head that gave a really cool upbeat folky sound. Um, and I like to be a little more tongue in cheek with things. And so I wanted to kind of add maybe a little bit of a darker element to kind of an upbeat folk drum sound. Um, and what we ended up with was salt liquor and salt liquor was uh, kind of a term we use for uh, people that have bad habits and bad repetition. Um, you know, getting into things and just they can't get themselves out of the mindset. You know, you're going to blame everything or the grass is always greener mentality going on through COVID. And you have people that you're watching the news and you're 
regardless how you feel about politics, you're seeing these choices and these same things being done over and over and over. Um, and then with the drumbeat that had just this great repetition, we felt like we needed to write a song that for right, that was our song for right now. It kind of came out with um, the choices we make, you know, and the path that we, that we have the opportunity to move forward with. That's where Salt Liquor hit.
Yeah. Woo. Nice stuff, guys. Let's talk about another one. Condor. Yeah, Condor. Well, and it kind of makes me think about what we're writing now a little bit because there's so much more thought in this next record than the last one. When I, when we were writing some of that, I was very thinking like, you know, we were just sort of like, let's write a song kind of like this. And some of them didn't have, you know, like 280 didn't have a killer background meaning to it. We were just thinking to ourselves, we're like, we want to write something that's like fast, you know, like, you know, and then we thought car and we thought like, you know, like, you know, like kind of had that like power through vibe to it. And then Condor was like, I think the meaning of that song um, developed. As it was kind of, like, yeah, being a two piece. Yeah, was, yeah. Condor was kind of about being a two piece. And it was weird because yeah. when we talked to Zach and, you know, we talked about, you know, hey, you're going to be in for, you know, just this part. We want you to help write this record with us. These are the ideas. These are the songs we have. We want you to fill the element, you know, and then when, you know, someone does their part and it's time for them to leave, you know, and you kind of want to offer and talk to them about, hey, you want to continue and be part of the band, but you know, they have something else going on. Yeah. So seeing someone else that's like doing this, knowing that they're going to be on their way out and we have to find a way to fill that void to keep us going. So Condor definitely is reflective of that. And, and that's what it was because it was like, I don't want to be, we kind of had that view of it. And I think Zach, you know, we never, we never talked about that. So I think we were think, singing about that meaning and writing to that meaning. Um, some, some of his lyrics were a little bit, you know, to his own feeling about some things, but that was kind of what we opened the project up to was, Hey man, come in and we, we like your sound, bring your sound to ours and what we're doing. And we liked it. We clicked like that. We had been trying to cut a couple other guitar players same night he auditioned we had a guy come down both fantastic but we both same time we were like that's the guy right there let's work on this record with him and um you know we kind of uh um you know took off on that with that but you know and it's one of those things that like again the depth of it wasn't as much because we knew that he was going to be leaving he was in for this project and um, it was a little bit more of a shallow project than, than what, what we're doing now. Now we've been thoughtfully writing, you know, with COVID, like we're writing lyrics right. now. We've been for months now, we've got a, a, a new set of songs that like, I've never played guitar more in my life than I'm playing now. I'm at home writing lyrics, sitting there fixing it. And so it's all like, we're, we go into practice and we try them and we're really way more thoughtful on this one about the point that we're trying to get on this one. than I guess yeah. the last one was a little more that's concept, a, conceptual. That's a good way of saying it. When we first wrote this album, including those songs, um, you know, we had an idea and we have some things that we could say they're about, but ideally it was, uh, we wanted a project where we were just playing and bringing in elements of things that we liked and how those songs came about and we needed lyrics and, you know, whatever we were feeling at the time or whatever emotion it brought up, as Rob mentioned, it might not be as heartfelt or sincere as someone else might say or have written. But for us, that was all part of it too, is that not every song has to be this giant thought out masterpiece. It has to be what's fun and what appeals yeah. to you. And that's why, and that's why we made the decision to to change because initially I was playing drums because the uh, the the goal of the indie drums from back in the day, we, we it, to me it was difficult to find somebody who's into math and who likes that kind of stuff. So we thought, well, I'll play the drums and do some vocals with it. Now we're just like, I think it makes more sense when 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 we finish that record to move up to playing guitar and singing because 
we feel the, the vocals on the last record were that was our weak spot on that record. Not that they were bad, but like, you know, I think that we could have done better. And so that's why we're being more thoughtful this time. And, you know, um, that's also why we're being picky on the drummer because we're still picky on that, like finding that drummer who's going to fit that genre specific ish, you know, style of playing. I don't know. It's, you know, if we're being too picky on that, but you know,
that record in our writing process was kind of like the Street Fighter movie from the 90s. Okay. Like, uh, it was like a great, you knew exactly where it wanted to be. You knew all the characters that had to be in it. You knew that ultimately you had to make a good representation of, you know, this awesome thing from when you were a kid. Right. But in the end, you realize, like, it could have been a better movie, but Raul Julia was in it, <laughs> and he played on Bison, and game over. Right. You know, I mean, it was great. And the way that I think when Rob and I talk, because maybe we're a little bit older than some of the newer bands that are coming out now, but um, we, we grew up with the Milwaukee bands like The Promise Ring, um, you know, just in Four Stella Ford in Paris, Texas, and, yep. um, you know, some different groups that, that so. yeah, like Rob said, that we'd ride our bikes to go see. And that also comes across in our, in our writing process as well as that we kind of have that old school uh, writing mentality and it doesn't sound as clean and, and as polished because you're more focused on having fun doing it. And, uh, and that's even a goal. Like I don't like I see bands play with younger kids and they stand there and they're trying to play it like they're going to play it like they're doing a record. It's like, dude, fuck up, man. Nobody dude, like, you know, like those are the my favorite bands. I mean, a good, a good friend of mine, Greg Rotek, he was the reason that I'm here right now. He got me into Braid and all those bands back in the day. And um, dude, you'd go see those shows and it was like fuck man it was like they were fucking up all over the place but they were jumping off of shit and whatever and it's like that's kind of what we're like my fingers are huge i can't fucking play for shit like i'm always bonking notes obviously we want the record to be you know we'll take the time on that but like live like we want live to be amazing uh, to be to sound amazing too but ultimately we want to be able to have just as much fun doing it yeah right it's, it's kind of i guess it's like it's like Milwaukee back when Milwaukee was beer and not craft brew. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're like we're Milwaukee rock back when Milwaukee was was rock and beer. And trying not, to remind people that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Because a lot of there's a lot of bands coming back. American football. You know, there's a lot of bands coming back and trying to say, hey man, don't forget. You know, and like people haven't forgotten. I mean, that's obviously Knapsack. I went, I got to see them. I was like, I never thought those guys. Raina Maria specifically said they weren't coming back, and they yeah. came back. Like it's exciting. And so we're like, let's come back and like, let's write something new reminiscent of the old days. It could have been written in 98 or 2000 or 2002, you know, but then it's valid now. And we're putting our little spin on it because again, like, you know, there were all the bands that influenced me, you know, like that post hardcore thing. And so it's like, we have some chunky spots yeah. in the new stuff. We have some pop punk in some spots and like, we're at it, whatever, man, like, I think if people like it, they're going to like it, you know? Yeah. And it's going to sound different than what we, what we might describe it as, or the bands that we, you know, really take influence on, but it's just great knowing that those are what our backgrounds come from. And, you know, we're writing with those kind of things in mind. And since you guys have some experience out playing out, obviously pre COVID and during COVID, maybe put this through your thought thought process, what do you think is going to be probably some really good ways to get yourself promoted to get people to your shows? Well, again, not just to say it because we're doing it with you, but taking advantage of the outlets that are available online, like the podcast. We, um, we just did an interview with BuzzFeed Music out of LA, which was kind of cool. And they did, you know, asking some similar questions, but that was an outlet that yeah. probably never would have been available because they would be 
you know, focus differently where now they branch out looking for smaller artists, things like that to take up. And that got us to a whole different audience that maybe we never would a coastal audience. I think too, it's going to help out with a lot of bands, just as I mentioned before with the live stream. I mean, that was something last, last year you never would have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if someone did it, it was like, Holy cow, these people are doing a live stream. Right. And yeah. now it's like everybody's doing yeah, it. Yeah, everyone's doing it. Um, I just I paid eleven bucks to see a live stream of uh, the Lawrence Arms, a punk band out of Chicago, do the War on Xmas. And Jimmy World's doing that. Yeah, did was it this weekend or something? And so that show? yeah, yeah, just know you have that opportunity. Yeah. But then I think, as you mentioned, Zach, just the fact that in hopefully you know quickly or in another month or two, you're going to see this full-on welcoming effect from clubs or places that want it that are going to be looking to fill their room every night. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, and not just with big names, not just whatever they want to have live music. They want to bring people out to feel good about life again. And we're doing, we're doing next week. um, uh, A good friend of ours, uh, John Madoc owns a place called, um, um, well, he runs this uh, motor media roadhouse. He's part of a, it's a big culture car culture thing, but he opened this roadhouse and built this huge brand new stage and COVID hit. So we're oh. going to be going out next week to film. He's going to let us use the venue venue to film a little acoustic, like, you know, I don't know. I don't think we're going to live stream it, but we're going to do some like kind of like a video to post up because it cross promotions. Like right now he's dying. He's like, I can't do anything. I put all my money into this place, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, we want to find a place to do this. So we're going to go there and film there. And then we're going to talk about it and put it up and try to cross promote to get people to remember when he opens up here again, hopefully soon, right. um, that people know what's going on there, what his place is about. His place is about, you know, sort of like, again, what's dying out right now, too, is people building custom cars and custom motorcycles, you know, back, you know, early 2000s. That was hot, too, with OCC and stuff. And he brings all that in, has car shows and stuff like that. So we're trying to be a part of that. You know, same with Harley down at the museum, too. We want to be a part of playing down there you know they have bands down there we want to get down there as soon as they can do it again too when the permits lift and they can have stuff and right um, i think yeah i think that's a big part of it too is that to get not just for us but for bands to get out now is um because so many businesses are slowing down or are having trouble making ends meet they're also looking for ways of bringing their business up and so you have to be open to, as Rob mentioned, finding those other outlets, places that a band or a musician or an artist never would have gone to or sought out. But mm-hmm. the two of us are kind of sort of gearheads. I don't know if you can see Rob's truck right behind us, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're big gearheads in general. And um, so when we know people like Moto Media and Indie, uh, Indian Motorcycles and Rob was just down with his friends uh, who uh, run the Harley Davidson Museum, things like that, you know, doing that cross promotion getting music to where music wasn't before and bringing in things that music never had. Yeah. And and a lot of those places support it, you know, like Harley down at the museum, they support it. They're big on, on that stuff, but it's like, you know, with everything that's happened, it kind of killed it away, but we're going to, we're going to try our hardest to like help even like that be an outlet to, to amplify now, you know, like what they were doing before. It's like, well, let's get in there and do it bigger and better when, when things let up, like, you know, as again, a cross promotion kind of thing. And I think that's one of the things you, you, you we will be able to, because they do it outside down there, you yeah. know, and, you know, there's been a, a big props uh, to us on our, on our Instagram um, for, I don't remember how we got hooked up with it, but uh, we've been doing a lot with Canadian 
musicians and artists um, as far as conversations and uh, maybe it's just kind of uh, hoping and praying, but we've talked a lot about show swapping, things like that. And seeing a lot of Canadian venues that have actually looked into, I'm going to use us as an example, but they've looked into surrounding state artists, you know, borderline state artists that make, you know, similar treks up because it's not just, you know, Wisconsin that's hit or Milwaukee that's hit. It is essentially worldwide. Yep, that's yep. it. As I mentioned, every business and everyone is looking out for ways to bring their business up. And so you find, you know, it's, it's lend a helping hand, you know, who never, uh, who doesn't like a hand up and who doesn't like to pay it forward. And I think a lot of people are looking for those opportunities to pay it forward yeah. and hoping we get some on the background and, uh, And that's what we're doing. We have jobs like we're, you know, so, I mean, when this lets up a little bit, we're going to go play those venues to like help those venues out. It's not about us getting paid there locally. Right. Because we were, you know, again, like, I don't care. I just want them to succeed. I'm I'm pissed. I'm bummed about the public house, man. Like that was like the one of the places I loved to go. You know, there's a couple other places that you know, aren't going to make it like they're not, they weren't a big enough bar to sustain. They were more of a venue, you know? So it's like, you know, I, you know, like I know the cactus club will make it, but God damn it, man. It's got like, all they did were show their bar is like nothing of that place. I don't, and you know, and like they just changed ownership. So like, you know, they'll make it, but like, Oh, arcade arcade is like, I haven't heard they, you know, like, I don't know if they're still making it. They were hurting really bad. And yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. So, yeah, I'm hoping that um, this new administration coming in, well, is going to get those stimulus checks out there so we can start supporting these venues as soon as possible. So I hope that starts happening. As we're winding down here, you guys were just talking about you have jobs, you have families earlier. Um, I usually ask work uh, life balance. How do you guys balance, obviously, pre-COVID, post-COVID? How do you balance your personal life with your work life with your music? Um for, for me, and uh, I think maybe it transfers over a little bit with Rob, is that we've lucked out is that, you know, we're two people that have a similar schedule for our, our quote unquote nine to fives. And for the things that we do outside of the home or outside of our family, we found specific nights that worked for us. And again, this was a project like Rob mentioned, he has another band that he's played in and, and continues to play with that already had a schedule. So when he and I talked about, hey, let's make this project work, we were able to say, all right, this is a back burner type project. It's something we want to do, but we have other priorities to put forward. And we found nights that worked for us that we can come in and and having our own practice space outside of, you know, it's not my basement or his basement or a spare room helps a lot too. Yeah. Because there's a space that if we even need to, if we need to bring our family there yeah. or if we need to which bring, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, which we do sometimes, yeah. you know, bring it in. They have a space where, you know, they can do what they need to do or, or work from there or we can even work from there. I can bring a laptop or Rob can bring a laptop in some cases and do it. And I think that makes it a lot easier than, you know, well, people that might not have that practice space or that might work odd hours or hours have changed because of their business. So finding, and that's, I think what makes this band so cool is that we haven't had to sacrifice a lot because we've sacrificed a lot in the past and in years past with other bands. And I've always made music a priority always since high school when I started. So I've always like, you know, in my life with my relationships and everything like that, you know, um, in my marriage, I mean, my ex-wife was a part of it. She enjoyed, that's one of the things she came to the show. She 
took pictures and then she eventually became a keyboard keyboard player and the band was on three records you know and it was like you know we did it together you know and then you know now with with uh with uh my fiance she comes down and like we were saying she does her work while she's you know hangs out you know whatever and um we i you know because i have a uh, my studio i've got a couple practice spaces in there so i lease out again like we like to support music so we lease out a space to a band called natiform and uh they used one of it. And I, that's what I liked. I would love to have more space for more bands, cheap yeah. practice spaces for bands, but you know, it's a limited old building in Waukesha. And so, um, but we, you know, again, like, you know, I just make, I've always made it a priority and for like, I don't know how many years I keep Tuesdays and Thursdays open, you know, whether we do both of them, or we do one or the other. And it just so happened we, it worked for us. When we look for people, we say Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, like, and sometimes when people can't make it, they can only do weekends. So we end yeah. up doing like Sunday or something, but still make it a priority. And and again, like that's where I was saying in my relationships, like I've always been upfront about like, hey, you know, this is something I enjoy, you know, and, uh, you know, make the time. And it's the same with Paul. It's you like, hey, you know, it. his yeah. wife, like, yes, yeah, it's priority to, to us to do it. And we're not looking to become famous and go on long tours, but we're like, well, you know, on some weekends, we might do weekend tours and everybody kind of is cool with that. And we talk about it and schedule around family stuff. And it seems to work really well. And my ex-wife is still super cool about it, you know, with my son and, and we, you know, balance and the same thing with my fiance, we work around all the schedules, you know, like, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cause I know there's some musicians out there that's just, it's, it's a really hard struggle cause they're not, they don't have as much support as certain people do. And they just have to try to find a way to make it work. Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys being on Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks thank for having you. us. So we'd, we'd love to come back anytime or help out in any way we Absol- can. Absolutely. Oh, and thank you for uh, for donating to the Wisconsin Podcast. Thanks for buying me a pizza, a slice and a, and a beer. Much appreciated. Hey, when things come back live, we'll all have one together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there it is. That is episode 18 with the band Sterling with Rob and Paul. We're going to play one more song from them after the thanks. And I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the theme music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and getting in touch with Paul Dean, who is our great voiceover talent in the beginning. And to Justin over at CW Hip Hop for syndicating the Wisconsin Music Podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. So check that out at CWHipHop.com. And ZTF Studio, professional recording and mixing studio in southeastern Wisconsin. Thank you for sponsoring the Wisconsin Music Podcast. ZTF Studio is located at ztfstudio.com. And here is the song 280 by Sterling. 280 a little bit. I think uh, Rob may mentioned just a little earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's really that was one where we knew we wanted to write a faster song. We had some faster riffs, some faster lines. When we put it together, it became a fast song and being a little bit of kind of gearheadish ourselves, um, you know, the cars I think came, came right to Rob and uh, we're big, we're big nostalgia fans too. We, you know, so we wanted the clip. That was one of the yeah, things. Yeah. We have a clip in the beginning of, of that song from a movie. Um, and uh, we, we bring up, you know, Rob's gotten his lyrics, some um, uh, Dukes of Hazards, hazard lines or references, <laughs> things like that. So um, we knew it was a fast song. And when we think going fast, that automatically turns the engines to us. And so uh, writing a song that was geared around, again, engines going fast. And then, you know, what goes on in the car? Everything from, you know, get, getting the business done to, you know, winning the race, whatever right. you need to do. The vintage aspect of it, of remembering back in the day when we all drove pieces of shit, we're like... Yep. 
the window was duct taped and like that's kind of where I was coming. I was like, man, that's what I was thinking. Like the old days, I remember when we all drove around and like, you know, a buddy of mine had a car and he legit pulled the remember, remember, uh, uh, what's it called? A Tommy boy where he backs the car up and bends the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he totally did that on his car <laughs> oh, and we yeah. slammed it shut. <laughs> And we used to drive that car. We had to climb through the window and we had to duct tape stuff. And we drove that car for like four years. And, and when you're younger, you know, that's your thing. That's your only ride, man. <laughs> yep, it doesn't yep. matter what's wrong with it. That is your whip. You put yep. any sticker you want on it, yep. that is yours. Yep. In your head, it's the, you know, back to the future car. Whoa. When that thing hit, hits 80, <laughs> you know, you're going to lose your shit. Well, and the funny thing was, was he got that car because the car before he had was pink and he was colorblind. And he was like, yeah, this car's the shit. And I was like, and everybody was like, cool, man. You know, and it was like straight up the pinkest. <laughs> and so we got a black car. And he was so proud of it. And then he bent the door back. <laughs> What's the thing? <laughs> All right, where's the thing on this car? How do you put it in gear? Where's right the thing? Here. What is this? Is this is this a shifter car? I cannot drive a shifter car, right? So we got a little situation here. I can't drive these kind of cars. What the fuck is going on? You think that's funny? Would you like to know, smartass? Would you like to know why I can't drive this kind of car? I'll tell you why. I'm used to luxury cars. Have you ever heard of a luxury car? You know what luxury means? Have you ever heard of Cadillac? Cadillac Eldorado? That's what I do.